Brian McClanahan Show, episode 231. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be back. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page at Brian McClanahan, where you can obviously watch this podcast if you're watching it there. If you don't want to find all those social media buttons, just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N-M-C-C-L-A-N-A-H-A-N.com. You can find all my social media buttons at the top of the page. While you're there, also give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. It's a great deal. You can also support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can also purchase a book plate if you want my autograph on your Brian McClanahan books, which I've got several of those. Uh, the best selling would be Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America and The Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, but you can also get three others. Uh, as well. So a lot of great stuff out there. I'm sorry, four others, six books, four others. I'm thinking I'm, I'm shorting myself a book. So I've got six books. You want my autograph on those, you can buy your book plates and I'll send those to you. Um, so it's a great, great way to support the show and get my autograph on your book. You can also support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. When you do enroll, I will give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History. And you'll also get a goodie in a, in a follow-up email. You'll get a little discount if you want to buy some courses, which I would hope you would do. I've got six courses out there now, more coming this year, probably two more this year. And these are going to be awesome courses. So you're going to want to get on this. Hopefully one of the courses will be out in July. So we're not talking about very off, very far off in the distance. So go to mclanahanacademy.com, enroll for free, get your free course, and then purchase a course with a discount. And uh, they're, they're great courses. Um, I think that you won't be disappointed in the material that I have there for you. You can also support the show by going to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That is my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. It's a great website as well. A lot of bang for your buck. You've got great professors, Tom Woods, Kevin Goodsman, Brad Burser, Jason Jewell, Bob Murphy. Great stuff. So you're going to want to go out there and get your subscription to Learn True History as well. And, of course, you can always get my Brian McClanahan apparel by going to brianmcclanahan.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a button that says Shop. Click on that. It'll take you out, and you can get all your Brian McClanahan logo apparel. So a lot of great ways to support the show. And I will say I'm glad to be back. I took a week off for vacation again, but you're going to get me now twice a week, I think. I mean, hopefully. Don't ever know anything. But hopefully for the next uh, for the foreseeable future until we get to probably about the fall. So I'm looking to do a two-week schedule until the fall. And um, send your show suggestions my way. I mean, if you want me to cover something, I'll cover it um, if, it's a, if it's a good idea. So um, and, and shoot me an email. I always read them. I may not respond, but I always read them. All right, well, this, this, uh, this show is going to focus on um, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, the reason I'm talking about Tulsi Gabbard and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably either a libertarian or a conservative. 
And Tulsi Gabbard is neither one of those. Tulsi Gabbard is a standard leftist on many, many issues. Okay. Um, what's interesting, though, is I think that she has a little different perspective on some of these issues than even on the standard leftist side than standard leftists. And certainly, when you come to things like foreign policy and free speech, she is so far out of the establishment that not even the left recognizes her as one of the 65,000 candidates for the Democratic nomination for president. I mean, that's what we're at now. Uh, we've got so many people running for office that uh, you know it could fill up uh, the voter registration rolls of, of a city. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard is one of the earliest to jump into the race. She doesn't have a lot of support, and that's because the establishment will not support her. When they release lists, again, when they release lists, Tulsi Gabbard is nowhere to be found. Why? Why is that? And uh, there was very interesting, and I'm going to talk about Joe Rogan, uh, because uh, he's got, there's, there's a piece that covers something that she was on his show. Um, and said some interesting things. And I'm going to talk about that. Um, but not just that. There was a, a reporter, I think it was with the Washington Post, on, uh, on the Joe Rogan show, blasting Tulsi Gabbard. And there was a comedy bit done about this. And uh, blasting Tulsi Gabbard for being a, a stooge of Vladimir Putin. First of all, that is the clearest sign that Tulsi Gabbard is getting under the establishment skin. Because... She's saying things that don't fit with the one-party system in America. I know you're saying, well, we have two parties. No, we have a one-party system in America. We have the establishment party. And this is clear. Look, Trump is not in the one-party system. Now, he's done things to try to appease the one-party system. For example, appointing someone like an idiot, an idiot like John Bolton uh, <laughs> to a government position. He's done things like that. And he's facing a headwind as president because he's not in the one-party system. Donald Trump does not represent the one party. Now, what he would be intelligent to do, of course, would be to appoint someone like Tulsi Gabbard to Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State. I mean, that would be wise. Because Tulsi Gabbard would do a much better job in maintaining American peace, which is what we really should all be doing, Peace brings prosperity. Peace, peace brings security. These are the things we should be doing, not warmongering. That doesn't bring any prosperity or, uh, or any, any um, uh, security. I mean, when, when we're going out and we're fighting everybody, that's not security. I mean, this, this is where the, we live in such an Orwellian age, where if we go out to war with everyone, that's security. Now think about that logically for a second. That's like saying, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go fight every, uh, every potential criminal on my block so that they don't break into my house. Now, what's going to happen as I go out and I fight them, they're going to actually then start attacking me. Uh, because, Or I'm going to go out and fight my neighbors so that they don't attack me. It doesn't make any logical sense. The best thing to do is have a peaceful relationship with your neighbors. And you work things out peacefully. And then 
hey, everybody gets along. We have a good environment. I mean, people are friendly. I mean, this is what we want. You, maybe maybe they can help you out. They can help out your something. Watch your house. I mean, that's a good thing. Or you know, they can they can trade with you. Maybe you got something. To, you maybe they they got some vegetables in their backyard. You want you got something they want. You just trade with. I mean, this is great stuff, right? This is what peace does. It's security. It's prosperity. Going to war with everybody is not that. But this is what you have with people like John Bolton. So Tulsi Gabbard doesn't fit any of that. Now, you go to her website, which I think is uh, Tulsi 2020 or something like that. She's light on policy. She doesn't really talk about policy a whole lot. And that's okay. I mean, first of all, she 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 doesn't. she's not raising a lot of money. I mean, uh, and she doesn't take any PAC donations. So she's really following this, you know, person of the people kind of thing. Of, of all the Democrat candidates, she would be the best when it comes to uh, foreign policy, which is what the president is, is responsible for primarily anyways. And she would be good on some other things, I think. Okay, so first, let me get into some of these articles. And when CNN starts blasting you, you know you're doing the right thing, right? So here's Tulsi Gabbard getting blasted by the Communist News Network. So you know she's doing the right thing because they're not promoting, they're not praising Tulsi Gabbard. Here's here's from this is from May 20th. Tulsi Gabbard invokes Trump's fake news rhetoric to push back on report of Russia linked support. So first of all, she recognizes the mainstream press as the enemy of the people, and they are. The mainstream press trying to hide behind objectivity is a real problem in America. As I said in an, in a previous uh, episode, we want a we want a free press, not a fair press, but we should also require that the press from the beginning, show their hand on their biases. Look, and this is what it used to be in the 19th century. The paper was run by the Democrat Party, they would let you know. The papers run by the Whig Party, they would let you know. The papers run by the Federalists, they would let you know. They would let you know if it's Republican. They would, they would let you know these things. There wasn't supposedly this fair and balanced, objective news. Everyone knew news was not objective. The other thing, everyone knew history was not objective. Somehow we've gotten so duped and so stupid, we think that news is supposed to be objective. It's not. It's coming from people who are not objective. I'm not objective. You're not objective. The news reporter, the talking head is not objective. Just by selecting the stories they choose to run shows that they're not objective. Historians are not objective. If I go out and I write a history that is um, on a leftist topic, well, I'm showing you what I believe. I can either write that history then from a pro position or I can write it from an anti position. I mean this is what we get now and this is what this is why history is not objective. There are always two at least two sides to every story. That's life, that's humanity. So we never have objective history, we never have objective news. And so when Tulsi Gabbard goes out and says, "Hey, guess what? We've got fake news." I mean that's great. Yeah, somebody on the left is actually saying, there's fake news out here. we got to be careful of this. we got to be careful of these reports that are saying, I'm tied to Russia. It's just so stupid. And see, think about that logically as well. Someone who advocates a peaceful relationship with Russia is now the enemy of the state. Because the state is invested in the military-industrial complex. The state is invested in war. The state is invested with conflict. Because conflict, in their mind, drives dollars into government spending. Right? So Tulsi Gabbard, who is, has served two tours in the Middle East, Tulsi Gabbard, 
who was a major in the Hawaii National Guard. Now, that's also an interesting position. I'll get into that in a minute about anti-imperialism. I'll talk about that, which is really interesting. You look at her biography. She's got some interesting parts to her biography. But this is from CNN. Quote, Democratic presidential candidate Representative Tulsi Gabbard on Sunday characterized a recent critical report about her campaign as fake news, invoking a defense oft used by President Donald Trump to attack the credibility of negative press coverage. No, it's about not just attacking negative press coverage. It's about attacking fake news, about stuff that's not true. Because these people get their news from Twitter. I mean, really, this is what we get. They go onto Twitter. Reporters go, this has been proven. They go onto Twitter. Oh, there we go. There's a news story. They're lazy. Or they go into a Facebook post and they and they pull something. Oh, look at this. I'm an investigative reporter. Somebody posted something on Facebook. This is where we are in, in 2019. And how stupid this stuff actually is. There's no vetting. There's no, there's no investigative reporting and trying to find sources. None of that. It's just, here we go. They're tied to this and that. So it is fake news. This is how ridiculously stupid CNN is. Appearing on ABC's This Week, Gabbard was asked about her record on Russia by host George Stephanopoulos, who cited an article published last week by the Daily Beast, and there you go, titled, Tulsi Gabbard's campaign is being boosted by Putin apologists. The piece said her campaign was being underwritten by some of the nation's leading Russia files, citing donations from three supporters of the Kremlin and Russian President Vladimir Putin. The piece noted that Gabbard, who represents Hawaii, is one of her party's more Russia-friendly voices in an area of deep democratic suspicion of the country over its efforts to tip the 2016 election in favor of Trump. First of all, it never did that. It never did that. The Democrat Party is so stupid on that. It never did that. The Russian, the Russians, more than anything, were trying to help Hillary Clinton. This has been, this is, this is going to be, I think, conclusively shown. All the material finally filters out from this entire hoax of Russian interference in American elections. This is just completely stupid. The reason that the Americans don't like... Look, first of all, the, the, the communist regime is gone in Russia. Shouldn't we want... I mean, we're not living in the Cold War. Shouldn't we want a friendly relationship with Russia? As Trump said before 2016, hey, uh, Russia has similar enemies. Look, they're, they're, they're against terrorists just like we are. They've got a terrorist problem. Just like we do. So shouldn't we want to at least have a friendly relationship with Russia? Wouldn't that be good for America? I mean, for years, this is what we talked about. This is what Ronald Reagan talked about. Don't we want a friendly relationship with Russia? Don't we want to be friends with the Soviets instead of enemies? Wouldn't that be better for American peace and prosperity to not have a Cold War? Wouldn't that be good? No. For some reason, people think that's a bad idea now. And that's because, I mean, look, Putin has come back with a much more autocratic government. This is true. This is the Russian political culture. If you go back and you study Russian history, it was, it was nationality, uh, autocracy, and orthodoxy. I mean, this is what they believed in. Uh, so the, the Orthodox Church is coming back in Russia. I mean, in, in, in large measure coming back in Russia. They do have an autocratic government, but again, that's what they've always had. The Russian people going back to the first czars had an autocratic government. This is their political culture. They don't have the same type of political culture that we do in, uh, in the West, in the British model. And the Americans are descendants of the British model. So we have a much more interesting political system when it comes to, 
representative government. And this is, this is where America gets its political culture from, the British. We have an Anglo-American political legal tradition, not a Russian political legal tradition. This is where people are so stupid when they say the West is all the same. It's not. Not even close. So we are blessed with that Anglo-American political tradition, whereas the Russians have their own political tradition. That's fine. But shouldn't we still want to be friendly with the Russians so that there's no war? I mean, that would be best for our peace and prosperity, right? To be trade partners. And of course, every country is always trying to get ahead and do what it's, and try to, to have an advantage, whether it's natural resources or some strategic point. But regardless of that, we do have a common goal in fighting domestic terrorism, for example. Fighting international terrorism, whatever it is. We have a common goal in those things. But of course, also with Russia's dip into orthodoxy, well, that becomes hostile to the leftist agenda as well. And the fact that the Democrats, and you look at Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is a communist. Well, of course, they're not going to like Russia. This is not the Russia they want. Now, if they were Soviets, well, they would love Russia. See, it depends on the government. So the Democrats, I mean, this is simply showing who they really are. They don't like Russia because it's not communist anymore. Right? I mean, this, this is the problem for them. This, this is not the Russia they loved in the 80s. This is not the Russia that Bernie Sanders went over and had uh, his honeymoon. This is not the Russia that Bill Clinton visited and, uh, you know, and, and enjoyed as a college student. This is not that Russia. This is, this is a different Russia. This is a Russia that's more conservative. This is a Russia that's, uh, that's not communist any longer, and they can't stand it. So they're going to say, well, Vladimir Putin's a bad guy. They would love to see the communists come back in Russia. I'm almost positive of this. You know, it's unfortunate. This, this is now quoting the piece again. You know, it's unfortunate that you're citing that article, George, because it's a whole lot of fake news, Gabbard said. What I am focused on is what's in the best interest of the American people, what is in the best interest of our national security, keeping the American people safe. The congressman did not specify what in the article was fake, her campaign did not respond to CNN's request for comment on negative coverage both he and his administration have received from various outlets. Both she, it should say she, and her administration. Democrats and other opponents of Trump have denounced his use of the term, arguing that by calling legitimate news fake, the president is chipping away at the credibility of the American press. Well, of course. Democrats are stupid. Okay, so Tulsi Gabbard, really, I mean, when you look at it, is she really even a Democrat? Maybe she's more of a libertarian. But the fact is, she calls herself a Democrat. She's breaking with her party. And she's saying this is fake news. It is fake news. CNN is fake news. Just look over my shoulder. CNN is fake news. And then you have a piece from National Review, which actually defends Tulsi Gabbard. Okay. Uh, National Review, um, an odd turn of affairs... The RNC touted a Daily Beast story that reported Hawaii Rep. Tulsi Gabbard's campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination is being underwritten by some of the nation's leading Russophiles. Not donations from Russians, mind you, but a couple of thousand dollars in donations from Americans who publicly stated views that are more or less in line with those of the Vladimir Putin regime. Whether or not Gabbard considers herself a friend of Russia, Russia-backed media sees a potential friend in her. Earlier this year, NBC News found that at least 20 Gabbard stories on three major Moscow-based English-language websites affiliated with or supportive of the Russian government, RT, the Russian-owned TV outlet, Sputnik News, a radio outlet, and Russia, Russia Leader, a blog that exp experts say closely follows the Kremlin line. 
On the other hand, Russia is pretty widely loathed in the Democratic Party right now, so it's not surprising that RT and like-minded outlets would be eager to spotlight a Democratic lawmaker who isn't denouncing Putin and the Russian government. Right now, RT Television is also pretty excited by Mike Gravel's declaration that Joe Biden's foreign policy is American imperialism. Well, this is true, right? I mean, this is the establishment line. They're imperialists. No doubt Gabbard's worldview takes her far away from the rest of her party. In a March 2018 hearing, she suggested that the election meddling we saw from Russia in 2016 was more or less fair play considering past U.S. elections and other countries, past U.S. actions in other countries' elections. She's 100% right about this. I mean, the, the United States does this kind of stuff all the time. Here's a quote from Gabbard. There was a study that was released at the end of 2016 documenting 81 elections in 47 countries between 1946 and the year 2000, where the United States either overtly or covertly sought to influence the outcome of elections in these countries. We're successful more often than not, and this doesn't include any of the CIA or military regime change overthrows that also happen in addition to this, which there are many. And some of the most disastrous would be the one in Iran, for example, or Cuba. (laughs) As recently as the Iraq War. During the Iraq War, we paid millions of dollars to plant propaganda articles in Iraq. Iraqi newspapers sought to influence Russia's elections in 1996. I say all this to raise the question about, if someone turns on cable news today, and to hear a lot of the conversations here, one would think that Russia's actions in 2016, this is the first time this has ever happened and that the United States does not have the history that we do with the tactics that we have and may continue to use. She's 100% right. Tulsi Gabbard is an anti-imperialist. And so I'm going to say this about that. Tulsi Gabbard grew up in Hawaii. If any people, now she wasn't born in Hawaii, she was born in American Samoa, but if any people in the United States should be anti-imperialist, it's Hawaii. A state that used to be a kingdom that was seized illegally by British and American interests. Even Grover Cleveland at the time said, look, I'm not supporting you guys. I mean, I can't, I can't put the queen back in power because that would lead to your execution, so I have to protect you, but I'm not, I'm not recognizing your illegitimate government in Hawaii. I'm not going to do it. It wasn't until McKinley got in office and the Jingos who ran the Republican Party, and McKinley was even wary of this, but regardless, the Jingos were able to push Hawaii annexation. Hawaii was acquired illegally, or at least the government that was there, was illegally established by American and British sugar interests. One of the more prominent families was the Dole family, fruit and sugar interests in Hawaii. So, uh, I mean, this is true, right? There's a a, a Kinzer's book, Overthrow, gets into this. Uh, But, I mean, this is well-known stuff. So the fact that there's an Hawaii Independence Party, there should be. Hawaii should be an independent country today. So if any group of people should be anti-imperialist, it should be the Hawaiians. And I think that's part of, again, political culture. When you look at Tulsi Gabbard, this is what we're talking about here. So uh, I, I think that she gets this naturally. She, is in, she has ingested this stuff over time because of her state, Hawaii. I've done one interview in Hawaii. It was uh, when my first book came out. I did a radio interview there. I had to be up at like four in the morning to do the interview. Uh, it was a lot of fun. But these, look, the Hawaiians understand that they are a separate political culture in many ways, the native Hawaiians in particular. So it's, it's, amazing, it's, it's amazing that people wouldn't recognize this. This is part of her political culture. This is stuff that she's ingested over time. And being from that area, 
Now, I'll get into some of their other issues here in a second. Gabbard's overall record isn't consistently pro-Russian. She's voted for sanctions and condemned the violation of Ukrainian sovereignty. What really sets her apart from the rest of the democratic field and most mainstream U.S. foreign policy thought was her adamant opposition to helping Syrian rebels and her willingness to meet with uh, Bashir Assad. Well, this is because we're supporting terrorists. We're supporting ISIS. We're supporting the groups that are attacking us by opposing Assad. This is documented. Even by the New York Times and the Washington Post, it's documented. Maybe the article, the reporter was the was New York Times. I can't remember now. But of course, they bury those stories. They know it. Everyone knows it. So Gabbard is simply saying what's true, right? And the fact that people who might be interested in having a friendly relationship with Russia are interested in Tulsi Gabbard's campaign does not mean that she is, quote-unquote, pro-Russian. She's pro-peace and anti-imperialism. How is that pro-Russian? This is what Americans should be. This is American foreign policy as outlined by George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and James Madison and James Monroe and John Quincy Adams. And on down the line, you go all the way through the 19th century until you get to the late 19th century and American foreign policy was anti-imperialist. This is why William Graham Sumner wrote his great essay, The Conquest of the United States by Spain. Because when we got involved in the Spanish-American War, that changed everything. So Tulsi Gabbard is, a- is actually articulating an American, traditionally American position. Woodrow Wilson also changed all that. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's, this, is, this is almost, uh, again, Orwellian that we live in this situation today. The National Review article continues. Where Russia has friends, Tulsi Gabbard is usually standing up for them, beyond Assad. She strongly objected to the arrest of Julian Assange. She accused neocons, neolibs, and the MSM, that's her quote, of pushing for war in Venezuela, where Russia is back in the Maduro regime, and scoffed, no wonder North Korea won't give up their nukes. She contended TV talking heads love trying to goad Trump into going to war with Russia. This is all true. I mean, she's, she's articulate. I mean, th- this is all true. If Trump could do anything right, it would be to put Tulsi Gabbard on something to do with foreign policy in the United States. In 2015, she defended Russia's military operations in Syria. Bad enough, quote, Bad enough U.S. has not been bombing al-Qaeda al-Nusra in Syria, but it's mind-boggling that we protest Russia's bombing of these terrorists. Al-Nusra, excuse me. It's it's mind-boggling we protest Russia bombing terrorists. We're supporting al-Qaeda. ISIS, we're supporting these groups in Syria by opposing Assad. The Russians are bombing the bad guys, and yet we're saying, oh, I mean, this is, this is not good. This is not good. We don't want to bomb the bad guys. She is 100% pro-peace. So if anyone, if anyone should be looked at from the Democrats, it would be Tulsi Gabbard. Heck, I mean, if Tulsi Gabbard was the nominee and someone like Mitt Romney, if you're looking at mainstream parties, Mitt Romney was the, someone like Mitt Romney was her opponent, I'd vote for Tulsi Gabbard 100% of the time. There's no question. And of course, this gets back to a piece I wrote back in 2012. Vote Obama. Vote Obama. Because Obama's running against a neocon 
internationalist. And Obama was just, I mean, look, he was, McCain was going to do exactly what Obama did, just a little slower. I mean, this is where Michael Malice, um, you know, he's, he wrote, he has a new book out, uh, The New Right. I haven't read it yet, but I mean, this is his, he geeks into this. And of course, this is an old idea. Go, I mean, people have been talking about this since the 1980s. You don't vote, and that's that, that, uh, that piece, Vote Obama, got into a guy named Bob Whitaker. Um, who wrote a book entitled The Plague on Both Your Houses. And essentially it was that. I mean, look, the, we have a one-party system, and they're all internationalists, and they're all, uh, they, 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 neither, neither party really believes in the American principles anymore. Um, you know, so it's, it's that idea. Um, and so Michael Malice has, has published a book now that says essentially the same thing. We have a one-party system in America, and Tulsi Gabbard, is advocating a, a foreign policy position that would bring, bring peace and prosperity to Americans, of all Americans. Not, I mean, not just one group, all Americans. Who dies in wars? It's soldiers. And we have a very diverse group of Americans now in the U.S. Army. These are the people that are dying. I see it all the time in my classes. I have a lot of, in my, in my full-time job, I have a lot of, of students who are soldiers. And they are 100% pro-peace. I've ran into very few that are not. They they look at this and say this is this is messed up what we're doing. But of course they're soldiers; they got to follow orders, so they get sent wherever they're sent. They get deployed wherever they're deployed. So I, I think this is really interesting. With all that said, part of the freedom of thought in America is the freedom to be wrong. And this is where National Review says this. Gabbard's general reluctance to confront Russia and its allies like Assad isn't necessarily a reflection of a sinister Russian influence. She probably genuinely believes this is the best path to a safer America. She probably. No, she does. Not probably. She does believe that. And while our perspective may sound wrong-headed to many of us, well, of course, at National Review it does, because you all are a bunch of idiots most of the time, she's got the right to stand on a debate stage and make her sales pitch for it. But you can't ask for a more dramatic demonstration of, about how the view of Russia has changed in the Democratic Party than a candidate taking money from three known Russophiles now warrants its own news story. Accepting campaign donations from Americans with pro-Russian views is neither a crime nor an ipso facto scandal. We're a long, long way from, quote, the 1980s are calling to ask for their foreign policy back. The Cold War's been over for 20 years. Now, yeah, we're a long, long way from that. Um, again, I, I explained why I believe that the Democrats are now against Russia, because the Russia that's there now is not, their, not, not Uncle Joe's Russia, right? So they don't like this Russia. Now, very quickly, because I'm running up against time. Last piece is Breitbart. Tulsi Gabbard on Joe Rogan. Silicon Valley is throwing free speech out the window. This is an interesting... Tulsi Gabbard has been a stronger defender of free speech and civil liberties than any other candidate out there. I mean, she's attacking... She's attacking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all YouTube, all these places that censor content. And she's saying this is, this is ridiculously stupid. We can disagree with these people saying, but they should have, a, and this is a part of an American principle. Now, uh, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to read, um, uh, read everything here. Gabbard, I will say this, um, Gabbard, Gabbard told host Joe Rogan, quote, there's just been news recently about Facebook banning certain individuals because of their speech. They disagree with the speech they're using or their ideas they're pushing forward. Unchecked First Amendment rights going out the window. This appeared to be a reference to the recent purge of a number of conservative personalities from social media, including Paul Joseph Watson and Laura Loomer. Joe Rogan noted that many believe that the websites have no obligation to uphold free speech as they're a private company. 
The argument is the First Amendment doesn't apply because they're a private company, right? Joe Rogan said. Gabbard replied, yes, but they're trying to get the best of both worlds. The fact that they are claiming to say, hey, this is a free free space for open communication for everyone, while at the same time saying, you know what, Joe, I don't like what you're saying about this, so we're going to ban you and whoever your friends are from this conversation. I think that's a big problem. This isn't the first time that Gabbard, a military veteran, has spoken out against social media censorship. In a tweet from March, Gabbard stated, we must be willing to fight for the right of all Americans to express their views, even when we disagree with them. That's the essence of free speech. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, if companies like Facebook and Twitter, they're a public speech platform, so there are regulations about this. If they start censoring, then they don't, they no longer fall, they never, no longer have, have liable protection because they're protecting certain speech or uh, outlawing other speech. So that makes them liable for anything that's said on that that outlet. If they just post whatever, this is the law. If they just post whatever, they're not liable. See, it's just just a a platform to voice things. Once they start picking and choosing, now they're running into the law here. And I think uh, um, there's been some discussion about this. Um, You know, Ted Cruz has brought this up. So the, the Congress really needs to look at this. But Tulsi Gabbard, and what, you know, she, she's, uh, one of her big issues is environment. She grew up in a very uh, religious household. Her father's a Catholic. Uh, her mother's a Hindu. Um, so that's interesting. When you look at environmentalism from a religious perspective, it's a little different than when you look at the uh, modern environmentalist movement, which is primarily uh, just you know, worship Mother Earth. It's, I think her environmentalism is coming from a religious place. We have to protect uh, what what God has given people. And that's that's very much in line with a Southern view of environmentalism. Her father is actually from the South. So it's a Southern uh, view of environmentalism. She also uh, has a, a opposition to big banks, which is Jeffersonian. So I think in a lot of ways, Tulsi Gabbard is a real Jeffersonian candidate, uh, which is refreshing to see somebody on the Democrat side have that position. We've seen it before. I mean, this is the, it, all these positions are old Democrat positions, uh, agrarian uh, in kind of positions. Now, on some issues, on social issues, I mean, she's standard left, standard progressive. But for the most part, I think Tulsi Gabbard would be, a, would be the best candidate we could hope for out of the Democrats. It's just that they know that the one-party system will never support her. She's not even listed generally again in the, and, uh, the mainstream candidates. So, uh, I find Tulsi Gabbard just fascinating. And you should, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know anything about her, give her a look uh, because I think that she would be worth your time to investigate and actually support if you are uh, someone interested in Democrat politics. All right. That said, I said my piece about Tulsi Gabbard. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClain. Show. <laughs>